Stay tuned to the end of the show to find out how you can hear exclusive bonus content. Route 16 Off-Road is a veteran-owned and operated community-focused brand. To ensure they are meeting the needs of this great Jeep and off-road community, they need your help. Route 16 is currently looking for brand ambassadors to represent them on the trail, in their clubs, and of course at events. If you are interested in applying, email sales at route16.com. That is sales at R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com. Oh, we have a special deal for our Jeep Talk Show listeners from Route 16 Off-Road. You can go to our show notes and see the link to take you to Route 16 Promo Tent and use the code JTS and you'll get 15% off any item in the promo tent. Now, there's all kinds of goodies there. I mean, there's like Factor 55, Crazy Beaver, just way too many uh, items to uh, brands to, to be able to mention here. So go over there, check it out. Again, it's JTS as the promo code. Get 15% off of any item in the Route 16 promo tent. Uh, oh, and, you know, share us, uh, share us a little information about how it went. Uh, what'd you get? Uh, what'd you save money on? And today's episode of the Jeep Talk Show is also sponsored in part by ExtremeTerrain.com. Leaders in 1987 to 2018 JL Wrangler parts and accessories. Extreme Terrain makes it easy to mod your Wrangler by providing you with the expertise and customer support from their genuine Wrangler experts. Stay tuned for the official Jeep Talk Show announcement on Extreme Terrain's latest Wrangler armor giveaway from Deegan 38. And just to keep the uh, cards and literature coming in, uh, everybody knows that the JL was not started in 1987. They're talking about Jeep parts from 1987. <laughs> well, somebody's going to go, you guys, you got that wrong. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Jeep Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, Tony, let me ask you something real quick. Have you ever been nominated for anything you know special, like an, like an award or anything like that? Well, I was uh, most uh, voted most likely to be a radio disc jockey when I grew up. I, you know, Tony, I don't think that's not what Josh is talking about, but this week's guest, he was recently inducted into a very prestigious off-road hall of fame. And we're going to hear his story later in the show. I thought this was going to be about me. No, it's not always about me. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And this week in Jeep is, of course, brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're looking to buy yourself a trophy, well, you might want to think about the engraving. If you want to buy virtually anything else online, well, you're going to have to think about the Jeep Talk Show first. Click the Amazon button on our website or type in jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, and anything you purchase using that link will have a small percentage donated to help keep the show, keep the Jeep Talk Show on the air. So if you like what, you're, like what we're doing and you need to buy something online, well, consider helping us out. Well, all at the same time, that's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And thanks in advance. Well, Mike Manley is now the man. The big question mulling around the automotive industry this last week is what is Fiat Chrysler Automobiles without Sergio Marchion, the man who basically handcrafted it? Moving forward after Marchion's planned retirement in 2019 was always going to be a tough task for FCA. Here on the Jeep Talk Show, we've talked about many of the challenges and several of the rumors circulating about the famed 
passing of the baton, as many were calling it, when we first heard of Sergio's retirement. Who was going to fill the role of CEO in the world's largest automakers? Especially after one of the most formidable strategists the industry ever saw was stepping down. Who was going to fill those shoes? What direction was the company going to take moving forward? Was there going to be a merger or a massive sell-off of this brand or that? Nobody really knew. But Marcion's unexpected death last week eliminated the chance to choreograph a, th a smooth transition, something he had long planned for and, at least in recent months, had talked about openly on several occasions, albeit filled with turns of phrase more than epiphanies. What's currently the focus of everyone's attention is just that. Who's taking over? Well, we've long called for Mike Manley, former head of the Jeep brand, ever since the news broke about Sergio wanting to retire. He is what many say was a natural choice as a successor for Mr. Marchion. Now, the title of, now, now holding the title of CEO, Mike Manley's tenure got off to a little bit of a rocky start this week as the company lowered its earnings outlook for the year and shares dropped as much as 16% in the hours afterwards. Wall Street's reaction might not have been entirely about the company missing second quarter earnings expectations or changing its fiscal outlook for the second half of the year. It also seemed to reflect the uncertainty created by FCA losing one of the most strategic and coveted CEOs in automotive history. It is likely going to take months before the dust settles from blow like this to a company of this size, but I'm sure many of you feel the same way we do. That with Mike Manley at the helm, the waters look a lot less uncertain. You know, uh, last week, I think it was last week, uh, I joked about uh, should we get Mike Manley on here to do an interview on the, the, the Jeep Talk Show? Uh, well, I went ahead and gave it a try. Uh, I reached no. out to Mike Manley's team, one of his handlers, I believe. It took a little digging around, a little internet searching, a little Google searching, and uh, sent uh, – it, it was Mike's email. I, he's not the one that probably read it. And uh, we did get a response, and I'd like to share that with you guys right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. <laughs> so I want to thank Mike, uh, Mike Manley for, you know, taking uh, t time out of his busy schedule as a new CEO to, to respond to us. And, uh, well, uh, you'll get back to us, I'm sure. Well, Jeep sues another Jeep. I'm going to use quotation <laughs> marks there in that last one. Well, you guys huh. may remember back in March on episode 324, us reporting on a company who has long had a reputation with Jeep named Mahindra, releasing an off-road only vehicle oh, yeah. that for everything but the grill looked exactly like an old CJ. Now, FCA filed a U.S. trade complaint seeking to prevent Indian automaker Mahindra and Mahindra Limited from importing this off-road only vehicle that looks just like its iconic Jeep. The Fiat Chrysler Group filed the complaint on August 1st at the International Trade Commission, claiming that the model in question, the Mahindra Roxor, infringes key characteristics of Jeep's signature trade dress, quote, namely the boxy body shape with flat appearing vertical sides and rear body ending about the same height as the hood. They are nearly identical copy of the iconic Jeep design. Fiat Chrysler said in its complaint, which included photos comparing the Roxor to the Jeep, in fact, the accused product was, by the company's own admission, modeled after the original Willys Jeep. Now, in 2017, Mumbai-based Mahindra, which claims to be India's largest sport utility vehicle manufacturer, opened headquarters in southeast Michigan for its newly developed North American branch. Fiat Chrysler has also said that Roxer imports threaten with its, its substantial injury as they are underselling Jeeps by a large margin, too. Mahindra capitalizes on the cost advantages of manufacturing their products in India and then importing knockdown kits to the U.S., where they are assembled in the Detroit area. 
Mahindra announced plans in November to invest $600 million in its rocks or manufacturing facility. The Michigan plant has already tripled its workforce, and by 2020, the group plans to employ as many as 670 workers there. Fiat Chrysler's complaint pointed to Mahindra's, quote, substantial foreign manufacturing capacity combined with its demonstrated intention to penetrate the United States market and harm FCA's goodwill and business. The case is in the matter of the certain motorized vehicles and components thereof. Complaint number 330-3330, U.S. International Trade Commission, Washington. What do you guys think about this? So I just don't think I would, <laughs> if it was here, I would not buy it. So you're, you're telling me that FCA is getting into the golf cart uh, business? Because that's what this is. For purposes, well, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's but, not street legal. There, no. there is a major difference here. The Mahindra Roxor is not street legal. And it doesn't have the, the famed seven-slot grill that Jeeps always have. So does it have the angry some, eyes, uh, the, the little thing well, that sticks out? It, it doesn't have the, doesn't have the <laughs> squint, Have you seen but. the grill? The, the grill slots look like, I don't know, like it's smiling. Or Josh, <laughs> Josh, remind me, this this story, You I remember I remember this story. I thought it was very interesting on, on uh, This Week in Jeep, uh, uh, 10 episodes ago. And, and you said they were licensed to use this. I know you were just reading what, what you had researched. I'm not blaming you for this. <laughs> you shouldn't be named in the lawsuit. Um, but boy, it would be great for ratings. Uh, the <laughs> I thought they were licensed from, from Willys back billion years ago. Oh yeah, no, this goes back to you know back into the forties. The the relationship that Mahindra has with Jeep goes back to you know World Wars because you know they were licensed to to be a manufacturer. You know, the Jeep you know back then Willys only had so much manufacturing right. capacity. Well, Mahindra had the plants that were able to manufacture more Willys for them. And they did so, or at least on, on a part basis, if not on vehicles as a whole. Now, that relationship has extended over the decades and continues still to this day. This lawsuit in particular focuses on the U.S. distribution specifically. Oh, okay. So it, it's not, it's, they do have license to build this vehicle. It's really, it's release here in the U.S. that FCA is fighting. So I guess whenever the agreement was made, nobody thought that it would be worthwhile, that it would be. Uh, monetarily feasible to uh, bring the uh, the jeeps out of India to the United States, and now we're in a different environment. Technology allowing us to to move a lot more product from one side of the world to the other, uh, yada yada yada. And and of course, I asked this question, and then I realized you you don't have to have a reason or even a good reason to file a lawsuit. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> well. <laughs> Originally, on the surface, I thought this was one of those frivolous lawsuits or possibly even fake news because of that long-standing yeah. relationship that Mahindra has with Jeep. So, I, you know, I had to dig a little bit deeper on this. And sure enough, this, this is real. This is genuine news here. But it focuses all around the distribution here in the U.S. So it, they're what really Jeep is what FCA, or rather, is what they're trying to do is limit or uh, altogether halt production or at least release of these vehicles in the U.S. market because of the direct competition aspect. They don't care about global sales, really, at least at this point, or at least as far as this complaint outlines. It's very specific in its wording, and it's very specific about U.S. distribution. Do you remember how much these things were? I forget uh, from the no, story. They are extremely cheap. I want to say they are under twenty grand, I, and I want to say they might be even under ten grand. So uh, they are extremely inexpensive, but mind you, they're not street legal. And like Tony said, 
they are about a step above a golf cart because I think they come with a max of about 46 horsepower. So yeah, and they there's, go not a, there's not maybe a lot 50 there. miles an hour, maybe 40 miles they, an I hour. I think, yeah, I think top so, speed is 45 on those. So things. who does, who does Jeep, how, who does FCA think they're going to be, how, how, how this company is going to be hurting them? I mean, if you're buying one of these things to put around in the farm, if you, if you, maybe you're using this on a, a, a deer lease, you're either going to buy one of these or you're going to get a used Jeep, a Cherokee or something that, you know, for a thousand bucks to, to take out and leave it at the, at the deer lease or, or drag it out there once a year. I, I don't see how this hurts anything other than uh, they just have some, uh, some free time on their hands and they're, tr- they're trying to, uh, well, you have to protect your brand. If you don't protect your brand, then it, it leaves it open for other people to do the same thing. I mean, next thing and you know, the- somebody would come up with a, a podcast using the word Jeep well. in it. <laughs> and well, you know, really the brand Jeep, it's, you know, it's familiarity is instantly recognizable by the seven slot grill mm-hmm. and the boxy shape. And so Roxor, although they don't have the seven slot grill or Mahindra rather on the Roxor doesn't have the seven slot grill. It has virtually every other distinguishable cue that you would recognize a Jeep by from the side sitting side by side. It is almost indistinguishable from a CJ if you had one that was, you know, showroom quality, as it were. So th- there is some, you know, some strength behind this complaint. And I do, I do foresee that at the very least, Mahindra is going to have to start paying royalties, if nothing else, otherwise possibly even shutting down their facility. That's a lot of people uh, and a lot of money they're investing in, in having this. And of course, that's what the, the attraction to this, this little thing is going to be, is it looks like a little willies. And you can't, yeah. getting finding a willies, you're just not going to. I, no, I wonder if FCA is going to go after the guy that turned his riding lawnmower into a willies Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> We saw that meme. You got to take saw it that down. Flat fender John Deere. <laughs> we're going to have to. <laughs> well, hey, guys, if you have a news tip or you have a response to any one of our stories, we'd love to hear from you. Make sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you can find out all the ways to do just that. Hey, and you heard it at the top of the show. A man with over 50 years of off-road experience and an inductee to the Off-Road Hall of Fame. We'll be talking with Dell Albright in just a little bit. Hey, coming up in Tag Talk, we're going to be getting into upgrading the JK's Dana 30 front axle. Boy, I think everybody that's had a Jeep for the last 20 years knows about uh, upgrading the, the Dana 30. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. If you don't know what the 4x4 Radio Network is, well, we encourage you guys to head over there and go check it out. Just type in 4x4radionetwork.com. It's all one word. And once you're there, you can find something for, well, all the Jeep lovers as well as all those other people, too. Now, we got something for everybody over there. You can check out the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast, and our newest member, well, they're there, too, on the Trail Podcast, it's your one-stop shop for all your off-road audio needs. It's all free, and it's all over at 4x4radionetwork.com. You know, John over at the uh, Center Steer Podcast, they have a lot of very interesting uh, information about Land Rovers, and uh, they do a really good job over there. I enjoy that. It's not Jeepy, but uh, as John always points out, uh, there were no Land Rovers until there were Jeeps, uh, because that's how they got the idea. So uh, I love it whenever people start uh, bashing Jeeps on the show. He always points that out. <laughs> Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Nah, shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. Hey, Tony and Josh. Um, 
Earlier this week, I got a reader, had a reader who contacted me on my blog with some questions, and she wanted to hear my thoughts on the topic of a Jeep pickup truck. Um, She asked me a couple questions. Would you purchase one? Is it a good or bad idea? Have I ever owned a truck? Would a Wrangler owner opt for a Jeep truck over a Wrangler, or do you consider it a completely different playing field? Um. This was kind of hard for me to answer, and I'm going to share with you what I shared with her, but then I was hoping maybe, Tony and Josh, you could throw in your thoughts. But would I purchase one? Yes. If I had extra money, I would buy the JT truck as another Jeep. Um, I actually would love one because I would love to make it my... um, tow vehicle, my daily driver, the pickup truck would be my daily driver, and I would tow my current Rubicon on a trailer. But to pick it over my JKU, I don't think I would. I just don't feel like I have enough background knowledge on this new truck to make that decision. Is it a good idea slash bad idea? I guess that all depends on what you're going to use your Jeep for. And like I said, my my dream would be to turn my current Rubicon into my strictly off-road vehicle, I'd get a trailer, haul it, and I would haul it with my new JT truck. But those are my dreams when I win the lottery. Now, I have never owned a truck. My husband has a truck. I drive it every once in a while. Um, And it's great when you need to haul stuff. So I think the JT truck would be good, especially if you're going out camping, because you can throw all that camping stuff in the back of the the bed of the truck, but I actually don't know how big the bed's going to be, so I'm not really sure there. Now, would a Wrangler owner opt for a Jeep truck over a Wrangler? You know, I guess I'm not really sure. I think we probably all have our own um, ideas on what we think the best Jeep would be, so it just depends. And right now, I wouldn't buy the truck just because I like to wheel on the rocks and in the woods like at AOAA. And those turns can be really tight. And I'm just not sure how the truck would do in those type of off-road situations. Um, And it's just really unfamiliar territory for me. And I don't know, Tony and Josh, if you guys have any thoughts on the Jeep versus the truck. Well, you know, with the information that Josh has been providing us on the uh, the Jeep truck here over the last uh, several episodes, uh, going back probably 10 or 20 episodes, really, uh, I'm kind of in the same uh, ballpark that you're in, Tammy. I mean, right now it sounds like uh, they're they're building it to uh, be a proper truck, uh, capable of of towing and hauling things. And to me, that that lends itself perfectly to being a tow rig. Uh, and I mean, how cool! You know, you you tow your Jeep, your off-road Jeep, to the trail using another Jeep. Uh, and, right. and and besides that, it's a brand new uh, type thing. Uh, so that's the way I'm looking at it. And my only concern is, you know, Jeeps do Jeepy things. And one of the Jeepy things that Jeeps do, wow, I actually said that without stuttering, uh, <laughs> is going around in tiny off-road uh, places. And you mentioned AOAA because you had some issues with your JKU being longer and mm-hmm. getting in and around the trees. I don't know what the physical dimensions are of the, of the Jeep truck, but you would you would think that it's probably going to be a little bigger, be a little bigger than a JKU, but maybe not. So that would really determine whether or not, it, to me, it would be uh, uh, worthwhile having as a an off road rig. And then, then there's weight, the weight distribution. Trucks are generally light in the rear end because that's it's made for for carrying uh, cargo and stuff. 
And I, I think maybe the weight balance would be different uh, than, than a JK uh, or JKU or, or even a TJ. Yeah, Tony, I think you hit the nail on the head in, on a lot of points there. And and one of the big ones, I think, is is really the design intent of the new Jeep truck. For, if we look at Jeep trucks from yesteryear, now obviously the FSJ, the full-size Jeep trucks like the J10 to J20 oh, um, cool. from the 60s and 70s, I mean... By today's standards, barely even a farm truck, I, you know, but but back then they were a workhorse. Now, today, you know, moving, you know, a little bit more towards the modern times, well, Jeep did have a pickup, but it was half unibody and it was based partially on the Cherokee, the XJ Cherokee platform. Really not what you would call a workhorse and certainly not one that you could use to tow much of anything at all. Now, this Jeep truck that is uh, scheduled to come out in, what is it, 2019, uh, 2020, um, is really set up to be a true, genuine workhorse. Some of the numbers that we're seeing out there show that it's going to have some serious towing capability and some respectable cargo handling uh, abilities as well as far as payload capacities. So, when, really, I, I almost, almost would have more questions for the person who posted up on your blog, Tammy, than what they had for you, because I'd be curious to see what their intents would be yeah. for mm -hmm. for a truck. You know, what are their needs? You know, what? Why would they even be considering a truck over a Wrangler or you know, vice versa? So you know, a lot of it comes down to personal preference, what it's going to be used for, and again, you know, also uh, a little bit has got to play into factor as well as comes price. Um, in as far as upgrades and every, everything else as well. What is the aftermarket going to be looking like for the Jeep truck? And if you are an, uh, you know, an aftermarket type of person, you're going to be buying this Jeep to eventually turn it into a weekend warrior or to do some upgrades with it and really, you know, you know, modify it to make it your own and whatnot. Is that going to cost you a pretty penny versus, well, buying a Wrangler that might be already modified? Again, a lot of this comes down to needs, personal preferences and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's you could flip a coin, you can go back and forth, pros and cons, write it all out and get a list going check it twice, the whole nine yards, and at the end of the day, it's going to come down to personal preference. Right, and that's usually what all our Jeep purchases are for, personal preference. And one thing, Josh, that you were when you were talking, I kind of thought, you know, overlanding might be a good use yeah, for this if idea. you're, you know, just with the extra cargo space, but... Now, don't get me wrong. This will still be a right. Jeep. It will have one of the world's most capable four-wheel drive systems attached to the drivetrain. This is going to be an off-road beast. Make no right. you know question about it. This is going to be a capable off-road vehicle. But like Tony mentioned, like Tammy, you've mentioned, you know, size, wheelbase. This thing is not going to be as nimble as the JKs or the TJs. So you know, you got to really come into question what kind of terrain do you find mm -hmm. yourself wheeling on and is this new jeep truck going to be a fit for it i look at this as a potential great daily driver if you don't mind mm -hmm. the gas mileage and an excellent tow vehicle and you know hard uh, hauling the fertilizer to the house or uh taking the plywood uh, that you, for your construction projects all the things that you would do uh, on the road and, uh, I mean, time will tell if it's right or not, but that's kind of the way I view this Jeep truck. It's a, you know, like a workhorse, uh, take you back and forth to work in style, but beyond everything else, it would be so cool to have a Jeep towing another Jeep as you take it yep. out to the trail. Definitely. Hey, what do you think? Give us a call and leave us a message or even send us an email. Just head over to the Jeep talk show website contact page, and you'll find all the ways you can get in touch with us. Oh, Tony. Um, before I forget, 
Uh, remember the other day or a couple weeks ago, you and I, um, you shared with me this Facebook Live that was going on. It was at Planet JP on Facebook. Jason Cook was talking about a couple things. He was talking about the Jeep Talk Show. And Tony, do you happen to have that clip? I do. Uh, strangely enough, I, I, I do have it. <laughs> so like it, like Tammy was saying, this is a little Facebook Live thing that uh, Jason and his family put on uh, on the uh, Planet JP uh, closed group. And uh, well, we'll just we'll just pick it up here kind of in, in progress. Uh, Jimmy Mack, if you haven't heard the Jeep Talk Show podcast, you're missing out on a lot. The show is informational, funny as hell. They got great guests. Um, so yeah, guys, got to check out the Jeep Talk Show. Planet JP approved. It's a good show, guys. You got to check it out, especially when you're on the road for a while. It's the best thing. At that one day, we probably listened to five episodes on the way there and watched and listened to them all the way back. I think that was when that was during the steering stabilizer for, um, uh, what's her name with the red Jeep. Yes, Tammy Thompson. Thank you. I knew I would have figured it out. Yes, she was having a debate for like three episodes on the steering stabilizer. Three episodes. Yes, because she wheeled over at AOAA, um, and I was real intrigued because we just ended up wheeling. We ended up wheeling there before we left. Planet JP approved. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that, Tamley. It just sounded exactly uh, the way it should be. We we need to correct that. I do not drive a red Jeep. <laughs> But you should. I'm not going to be caught dead driving a red Jeep. (laughs) And speaking of Jeep colors, so the other day. Oh, wait. Well, I'm going to change my shorts. Yeah, get your your laughs out. Get your laughs out. Josh, Tammy, you guys might remember last week we had uh, Ben Davidson, uh, editor of Jeep Action Magazine on. And after the show, he told us that he was going to give us the ability to give away uh, subscriptions to their magazine. I mean, this is a 15-year-long Jeep production in Australia and uh, popular in the States as well, but it's going to get a little more popular because we're going to be giving away some of these uh, some of these magazine subscriptions. Now, it is a, uh, a six-episode-per-year uh, subscription. We're giving away a, uh, a one-year subscription. And, uh, guys, I think that uh, Jason uh, uh, Cook could, should be our first recipient for his very uh, interesting... Uh, Facebook Live video. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I think he definitely deserves it, uh, not only for giving us a shout-out on uh, on his live show, but uh, making us laugh uh, really good, yeah, too. Yeah, that was, I love that. That right. was pretty funny. So I, th- I think if nothing uh-huh, else, he definitely uh-huh. deserves <laughs> Well, for getting the red part right. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be giving away more of these things because we have a lot of them to give away. Thanks a lot uh, to Ben and Jeep Action Magazine. You can check them out, jeepactionmag.com. And, uh, you know, go over there and you don't have to wait for a subscription. You can go subscribe, but we're going to be giving away more. We've got two of them. We're going to give away a month. We've just given away this first one. We got another one coming up and keep listening to the show to find out how you can get a very own subscription to Jeep Action Magazine. And no, this is paper, folks. This isn't something digital. This is something you're going to get in, get in your mailbox. You go out there and wait for it to arrive and then get it and take it to the bathroom and read it for hours and have the wife's hammering on the door or the, or the husband's hammering on the door. What are you doing in there? Are you just reading that magazine again? So you let us know. I swear I'm looking at it just for the pictures. <laughs> the articles are great. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the other day, and this is totally unprompted or un, am I saying the right word? I did not. Unsolicited. There's no Legos involved in this. uh, (laughs) In this. My son and I, my youngest son, he's turning 13 next week, by the way. And we're just driving down the road and we're in my Jeep and he's, you know, looking around and he's like, you know what, mom? And he tells me this story and I'm just looking at him like, oh my God, I need to have my camera. So I talked to him a little later. I said, hey, Ben, can I ask you a question about what we talked about in the Jeep? And he said, sure. And this is what he has to say. Ben, we were driving around the other day and just out of the blue, you were talking about Jeep colors. Mm-hmm. What's your theory on Jeep colors? The colors of the Jeep Wranglers. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I think that the main color in a Jeep should be three colors. One is debatable. Um. It should be either red, certain shades of green. Oh wait a minute. Or it's debatable about oh, white. Tony, if you uh, have stop. the right backup colors. And so. Like, and some colors that really don't work as a primary color are, like, black, yellow, and blue on Jeeps. And okay. why is this I mean, what a... Think I think this is a wonderful thing as a parent, that you're so secure in your child's development that you have free-thinking yeah. youngsters like that. Folks, just let me tell you this. Tony took a little advantage of his <laughs> editing skills. I'm going to get I'm, I'm, Ben on here live. <laughs> ben, I'm guessing ben, there's a little uh, mix up on the colors yes, there, Tammy. Yes. He actually he actually said red is not a badass Jeep color, only black and some greens and white if you have ben, the right colors. We were driving around the other day and just out of the blue you were talking about Jeep colors. Mm-hmm. What's your theory on Jeep colors? The colors of the Jeep Wranglers. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, okay. <laughs> I think that the main color in a Jeep should be three colors. One is debatable. Um, it should be either black, certain shades of green, or it's debatable about white if you have the right backup colors. And so, like, and some colors that really don't work as a primary color are, like, red, yellow, and blue on Jeeps. And why is this your theory? Why do you think this? It's just, like, Jeeps are kind of, like, this badass thing. And, like, blue, yellow, red... Well, red is kind of a badass color, but it doesn't really work on a Jeep. Those aren't really badass colors. And so, yeah. <laughs> I, I love how he says it, do, it doesn't really work as primary colors and then proceeds to list the three primary colors. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help but think, and we don't have video on this, so I can't help but think that perhaps there was a, uh, a hand raised while he was talking and he was under some duress. And maybe no. the hand, the hand was wearing back a little bit on, you know, like in he, a threatening manner, if he, perhaps, if he was maybe. going the wrong direction. Like when he said uh, red is red is a, a badass color. And then the hand went back and right. he goes, but, but not on a Jeep. Don't hit me. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he actually, he, I never would do that. He actually, when we were driving, he said red just shouldn't be a primary color in a Jeep. That w- that's his opinion, though. Yeah, 
of course. And, and opinions yeah. are great. I, I right. like, I think he hit it right the first time though. Oh nice. no, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Good times. Anyway. Good times. <laughs> so guys coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Nikki G and I think he has some tips for us on something. So stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> he always has tips. <laughs> Hey guys, we love getting feedback from you. Constructive criticism or a little pat on the back, it doesn't matter. We read all of your guys' quotes on the air. And of course, if you want to, well, share your opinions of the show with us, well, we'd love to hear about it. You can do that any number of ways. Pretty much wherever you can find us, you can find a way to leave us a five-star review and leave us a drop us a comment as well. Uh, anywhere from you know Facebook or YouTube, uh, any iTunes especially, but one of our more famous uh, social media platforms, Twitter, doesn't have a means for you guys to leave us a review or leave those uh, leave those comments. However, you can leave a tweet, and one person did that, giving us a review through our Twitter account. So we got to give a big shout out to Michael A. Sammy, what did he have to say? Michael A. gave us a big shout out to the Jeep Talk Show. You guys are great. Always enjoy how some of us Jeep owners seem like we've bumped our heads. LOL. Oh, it's a, a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can well, we follow are a bunch us. Of knuckleheads. Oh, and yeah, two knuckleheads, just two. And they're, they're not on the East Coast. Hey, folks, if you want to follow us on Twitter, just go over to Twitter and we are at Jeep Talk Show. The one and only. A veteran-owned and operated Route 16 Off-Road is a brand that focuses on giving back. This is a company that looks for ways to help elevate the Jeeper, their rig, and the events that they attend. Always looking for ways to support the Jeep community and, of course, finding ways to help save some money in every Jeeper's pocket. Hey, Route 16 Off-Road has helped sponsor some great clubs and events from the Uari OHV Jamboree, Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, Carolina Trails Off-Road, Uari Invasion, the Marine Recon Channel uh, Challenge, Top Sail Island Jeep Week, and upcoming 36 hours of Uari Adventure Race, Team True Patriot. If we are at an event, if they are at an event that you are attending, we'll make sure to stop by the area and say hi. Answer a quick question for a Jeep Talk Show decal or even order up your next parts in their web orders tent. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Pinterest at Route16. Or just head over to their website at Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. Route16 Off-Road. They live the Jeep life and give back to it as well. ExtremeTerrain.com. Home to all your favorite YJ, TJ, JK, and JL Wrangler parts and accessories. It's back again with another exciting giveaway partnered with lifestyle motocross rider Brian Deegan. Now, for those uh, that don't already know, Deegan holds 10 X Games medals in freestyle motocross and is known as the first rider to ever land a 360 in competition. Deegan has raced in multiple rally and off-road classes, as well as a brief stint in the realm of monster trucks. Extreme Terrain and Brian Deegan have recently teamed up and created a new Wrangler Armor brand, Deegan 38. The Deegan 38 Wrangler parts are a collection of top quality, unique products created specifically with serious off-roaders in mind. To celebrate this collaboration, the new line of Wrangler products, Extreme Terrain is giving away not one, but two $3,000 Deegan 38 prize packages. From LED lighting and light bars to Deegan 38 uh, edition Mickey Thompson tires and even rugged armor pieces to protect your rig from the elements. You don't want to miss out on this quality giveaway with proven parts from Deegan 38 especially with two chances to win. Participants around the U.S. are encouraged to visit Extreme Terrain's Deegan 38 Wrangler Armor Giveaway sign-up page available uh, in the notes of today's show at 
www.extremeterrain.com win and enter daily to maximize your chances of winning some sweet gear for your JK or JL Wrangler. Terms and conditions may apply. See official rules on the entry form and good luck to all that enter. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. because I, I It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! We're going to be talking about the JK Dana 30. It's not as bad as you might think. The Jeep Dana 30 axle found in the front of all base model JKs is no trail champion. The term bare minimum comes to mind whenever somebody inquires about the unit's ability to handle the trail. That's why Jeep's JK Rubicon model comes with the stronger Dana 44 axle up front. However, even the Rubicon 44 has some weak links in stock form. Now, hold on. This doesn't mean you should forego the next weekend wheeling trip on your calendar just because you think you might have a weak axle. It's not the case. Smart driving techniques and a few simple upgrades can get you and your Dana 30 or 44 through even the toughest of trails. Look, I know what you're thinking. Why waste money on strengthening a Dana 30 or 44 when you can save up for something a lot stronger? Well, the answer lies in three simple words. Return on investment. Sure, one-ton axles may be on your wish list. Aren't they on everybody's? Join the club. But you can still invest wisely in the stock pieces you already have to buy yourself a little bit more time to save and or ensure that your JK at least can handle a 35-inch tall tire out on the trail. Besides, those heavier one-ton axles are going to cost you a lot of extra money at the gas pump too. And well, nobody really wants that right now with the summer gas prices in full swing. In this latest installment of Tech Talk, we're going to illustrate exactly what is needed to reinforce each of the critical areas of the JK's Dana 30 front axle. I'm going to show you how to improve the resale value of your stock parts as well. In the event that you decide to upgrade to one-ton axles later, you can sell off the stock parts for more than you might have thought. That way, you can feel a little more confident with your purchases in the future. So, what about that resale value, you might be asking? Well, Keeping in mind that the used JK front axle market is volatile at best, and now with the release of the 2018 Wrangler J, uh, JL, JK takeoff parts are seeing a huge demand right now as what used to be the daily driver is getting retired to toy status and getting wheeled a little bit harder. Now, according to research, I think you can expect to get anywhere from $700 all the way up to $1,400 for a fully built JK Dana 30 that's in decent shape. Now, this price, of course, is assuming that the axle has upgrades of equal value to the ones that I'll be highlighting here in the show. However, keep in mind that prices depend greatly on the condition of said parts and what the buyer is actually willing to pay for them. In the end, something is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it. The idea here is to stress the fact that just because you do not have ten grand to plunk down on a pair of built one-ton axles doesn't mean you should refrain from building up your Jeep for moderate trail use. By performing upgrades a little bit at a time here and there, you can still go out and enjoy the activities of off-roading while saving up for the big winter swap project. It's safe to say that money is well spent when it enables you to still get out and enjoy your wilderness, our wilderness, and off-road areas. So starting next week, I'm going to be outlining for you step-by-step -step, the modifications and upgrades that any JK or JKU owner should be thinking of if they've been considering upgrading the axles under their Jeep. So be sure to stay tuned. It all starts next week on episode 345. Oh, you bastard. I was getting excited yeah. here. I was going to see what, <laughs> what it was that you were going to tell me about my, because I got a Dana 30. I'd like to know this stuff. Gee, good tease though. Good tease. Thank now, you, is thank your you. Dana 30 the same as the Dana 30 in my Sahara? 
They're no, the same. And that's one thing uh-huh. that I want to point out before we get too deep in here, because I know we got a lot of TJ and XJ guys out there and whatnot, that is, even the ZJ guys out there thinking, oh, I got a Dana 30. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about is specific to the JK Dana 30. So a lot of the, some of the stuff is going to cross over. It's going to be pretty universal, but some of the stuff is going to be very specific to the JK or JKU model. So just kind of a heads up. Next week, it all starts. I did not know that. I thought they were the same. I know. Learn something new every day. I mean, it says Dana 30, so come on. Hey, if you guys have a question for Tech Talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. I want to hear what you might have to say or have to ask for Tech Talk. This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And, and you're listening, listening to the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. All right, I'm out here with Hector Lissette. So guys, what's the most important part, uh, part or accessory for your Jeep you're looking for? Well, first of all, we just started with the Jeep life and uh, I think the most important thing is you gotta start from the bottom up, like uh, lift kit, bigger tires, the, the, grill. the bumper, the grill, and the winch, and all kinds of stuff like that. Why the grill? Uh, to me, I see it with the bugs. Because mama likes the way it yeah, looks, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mama said the grill. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she all, right, all right, okay, cool. Have you gone out on the trails anytime soon? No, we went to, we, we took it on the beach so far. Okay, so all right. No, no trails yet. Just break it in, break yeah, it in. Yeah, it slowly Get the short. gear, hit yeah, the trails, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. guys. Hey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank right. you. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, boys and girls, we've got another interview for you tonight. Well, it's a it's a weekly thing, so we have to have an interview for, for him tonight, right, Tammy? Exactly. <laughs> Who are we going to talk to tonight, Tony? We're going to talk to the world-renowned, world-famous, uh, is it famous? Famous. No, famous. Uh, <laughs> Dell Albright. He's a 50-year off-road wow. veteran. Dell, you must hate to hear that. <laughs> Actually, I'm proud of that number. Good. I've made it. You should I've be. made it. Yeah. <laughs> you survived. He is an inductee of the Off-Road uh, motor sport, Motorsports. I'm just so excited. Uh, Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, six years active duty. Uh, Army Green Beret. Ranger. Paratrooper. Parascuba. Uh, Jungle Ops. Viet. Uh, Vietnam combat vet and more. Wow. Is there Thank a book, Dell? Will, will we be able to read about all these and the and more in a book here soon? <laughs> you know, I, I I did write one book, but it was about land use. I don't know if I'll ever write about my life because there's too many skeletons. Ah, uh, yeah, and then you'd have <laughs> to kill the all those. Kind of- you'd have to kill all those people that read the book. <laughs> but the, those are the best kind of books. Yeah, I know they'd probably sell pretty well too. <laughs> So, yeah, I bet it would. So he, he says, uh, I've been doing off-road payment for 50 years, 35 years of land use and, and uh, published writing. So uh, that's right. You do you do, do some uh, a publishing of, uh, of, of, well, like you said, the off-road use, and uh, I would imagine some jeeping stuff as well. Actually, uh, the wife, Stacy and I, we've been in about uh, 25 magazines, six, about 600 websites, uh, a lot of newsletters. Uh, I write a lot. 
In fact, I'm serious about the book. We did write a book called Shortcuts to Land Use and Volunteerism. Uh, basically, we wrote the book on land use. And uh, I mean, literally, I spend every day writing something on forums or blogs trying to help people understand the jeeping world and why we got to save our trails. So I write. So, Dale, let me just start with this, and this will be an unpopular view with uh, with some people. Uh, maybe the the meth uh, meth heads in Ke- uh, Kentucky will be on my side, but uh, the way I look at it is the the Earth was here before we got here, and it's going to be long uh, here long after we're gone. Why do we give a rat's ass about land use uh, <laughs> whenever you know? Uh, it, it, to me, it just doesn't really matter, with the exception of. Uh, making sure they don't pass laws where we can't use it. I can understand being politically correct and, and, and appeasing the politically correct people so that we can continue using our Jeeps on you know this God-given earth. So what is, what is it beyond that? Well, I tell you what, Tony, the bottom line for me is 50 years ago when I started, there were no signs, there were no gates, there was no wilderness. That's a fact. Uh, I could unload my buggy or whatever, my dad's vehicle, and we would drive and drive and drive and not stop till we ran out of gas in the deserts. And nowadays, 50 years later, 50% of my trails that I've done over my life are closed, either to wilderness, uh, somebody tearing it up so it got closed for you know erosion and bad use and, and idiot behavior. Mm-hmm. 50% of my trails. So when I say land use, I'm saying... This is what we need to do today so Uncle Dell doesn't lose any more trails. <laughs> and those of you who are a lot younger and yeah. still have not seen the entire country by Jeep like I have, have a chance. And if we don't land you, so I put that in quotes, if we don't take care of it as best we can, um, that people are not going to have a place to go because the people who do not like us, I'm telling you, they are going to close us down. And I fight against that every day, and me and a lot of other people. Yeah. Well, now, good. You say it kind of sounds like we're on the same page here. Uh, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm kind of like that 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 type of thing. It's like you go off, you have fun, you 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 know, you don't tear things up because you just don't tear them up. You have you know proper manners, uh, but but from the standpoint of um, it just pisses me off that people are trying to c- close this thing or mark it off as a wilderness and you can't go there. You can't hug. It's going to get pretty soon. You want to be able to hug a tree. Well, <laughs> um, without his permission, I, I, I hate to, t- I hate to tell you, Tony, you're not going to see Dell hugging a tree. Okay. <laughs> it's just, but I will say now this is, a, this, a, you can put this in the interview if you want to, but I smell trees. <laughs> Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. laugh at me, but there's a Jeffrey pine tree that grows in the Sierra Nevada mountains, way up at 7,000 feet elevation, that smells like vanilla. Oh, wow. And it is, yeah. when you put your nose in the bark, it smells like van- vanilla. So there's pictures of me sniffing a Jeffrey pine tree crack in the bark, but not hugging it. Uh, Dell, this is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> I took a friend out. I took a friend out last weekend, brand new to Jeepin'. Brand new. We just got some lift on it, some suspension, and he still thinks the dirt road is scary fun. But mm-hmm. I took him up and told him he had to go sniff this uh, Jeffrey Pine crack. <laughs> and uh, he hasn't talked to me since. It's like, <laughs> here, hold this bag and I'll, I'll shoo the snipes your way. I got it. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, I'm serious about the 50% over 50 years. Oh, I don't doubt and, it. Uh, 
it it scares me. The places that I've taken my parents, both of them gone, rest in peace, in the back seat of my old CJ7 to see Death Valley or Moab or some great, great place to poke around in a Jeep, Oregon sand dunes, whatever. Um, I, they can't go there now. And I'm thinking, what if my folks were still alive and still wanted to ride in my Jeep? There's places that I would love to show them that I can't show them now, and that is wrong. Yeah, I agree. Now, there are places, don't get me wrong, there's places, most organizations will tell you, there are places where we don't belong with our Jeeps. You know, the top of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, Mount Whitney, uh, the top of some of the great peaks of Colorado, whatever. We don't need a Jeep up at uh, all those peaks. Um, there's wilderness, and it needs to be there for that serene solitude that some people are looking for. But right now, in today's world, the radical environmentalists that they call themselves, yeah, right, are trying to just close up as much land as they can. And I won't have it. It's wrong. Now, when you say, when you were saying first um, about how 50% of it is gone and part of it is to the wilderness, what what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, I and get I, what wilderness yeah. is, but well, how has that changed from 50 years ago? Yeah, Tammy, I'll tell you what, a lot of people really don't get what wilderness is. I'm, I'm sure you do. Uh, you, you drive a black Jeep. You must understand it. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. In 1964, Congress said, you know, we need to set aside some of America and make it wilderness. Uh, vast areas of like 5,000 acres or more, untrammeled by mankind, where, you know, people can find some solitude. Okay. All right. That was in 1964. Over the last, since then, <laughs> 50 years plus, they've modified their own, you know, congressional, only Congress can set aside wilderness and close our land. Okay. But they've, okay. they've started adding to it to where you can't take a mountain bike or a Jeep. Okay. I understand. You have to walk. So you have to be, you know, young and studly or, you know, <laughs> right. whatever to go see some of this country. And it's not untrammeled by mankind. For example, in the deserts. Death Valley, where I like to go, and, and Johnson Valley, down in the Southern California and Arizona, places like that, uh, thousands of miles of mining roads set aside, you know, even Moab, in, in the uranium mining days, the 50s and 40s and the 1800s, there's roads. To call it wilderness today, to me, is just, it's just stealing my heritage unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. There's roads out there. It's not wilderness. We've already trampled it, so to <laughs> trampled, speak. Yes. So, to, so to speak, we've well, already made use of it. I don't, I don't think right. it's trampling. We've made use of it. Well, I mean, that's what we've well, already what the country's here for. Right. The, we've the already made a road. Actually, the word is untrammeled. T r a m m e l e d. Trammeled. It's like a term for uh, using it, establishing roads. Right. Not trampled, but trammeled. So right. yeah, uh, Moab. If you've been to Moab, I'm sure a lot of listeners have. It's nothing but uranium mining roads, all of those great trails uh, behind the rocks, poison spider, uh, some of the steel bender, places like that. They were looking for and or mining uranium, and that's what made the roads, either that or ranchers trying to, you know, right. raise cows. So that's not wilderness. I mean, there's some areas, okay, you know, some beautiful spot where we need to set it aside and not be driving. Okay, fine, but... For the most part, 
they've taken the concept of wilderness and shoved it down our throat and made unnecessary areas and they're closing off pe- places where now you can't go and I can no longer take some old people with me or some wounded veterans who can't walk and show them that country. Right. I get it now. Yeah, it's not right. I'm glad to find out we're on the same page. I mean, I'm fine with uh, with using land responsibly. Uh, I just, I, I agree with you. It's it's way overboard. Uh, responsible land use. Uh, you can't teach people manners. You can find them, and uh, hopefully the the fear of, of fines or fines uh, that that are levied against them uh, will stop them in the in the future. But I think it's much more important that as Americans we get to use. Uh, our country, uh, and and everybody should be able to get to use it. Uh, I don't think that you should be able to sit back in your house and go, well, I'm not going out there, but I feel great because I've protected it. I can yeah. <laughs> I can watch TV yeah. and feel good about myself because I know nobody else is getting any use of this land. It'll be wilderness. Of course, there's some, and I don't want to make this too political, but there's some people out there that would just like to see people go away, and then they'd be happy <laughs> because the earth would be all be nice and safe and safe from yeah. the, the evil man. Well, I'm with you there for sure. I'm with you. But, you know, when we go out and we take our Jeeps and we explore the backcountry, I don't want to see any more closures. So that's, you know, right. they don't do any more 50% thing. But it's so simple to, like, make sure your, your Jeep is not dripping and leaking, you know, because that'll, that'll infuriate uh, some mm-hmm. environmentalist or some agency that owns the land that sees a big oil slick that nobody picked up or cleaned up. I mean, we can do simple things like that to keep what we have open and maybe, maybe like I'm doing this weekend, opening a new section of trail in California. Oh my goodness. Awesome. That's hostile territory, man. (laughs) You know, if this were a drinking show, I'd be drinking because that is a celebration right there. Oh yeah. I can see Uh that. How were you, how did you manage that? Well, actually I'm just going with my wife, Stacy, to cut the ribbon and help out. But a bunch of volunteers got together because a landowner on the Slick Rock Trail up Highway 4 in the Sierra Nevadas didn't like people driving by his nice, rusty cabin on the lake. <laughs> and it was, an, it was an easement. It was a public road forest service. But he had enough money and sniveled loud enough that he was going to close the road to us on a really nice trail. And uh, we convinced the Forest Service, the uh, California Four-Wheel Drive Association worked hard on this, the state association, to convince the Forest Service, hey, let's work together, let's make the landowner happy and reroute this trail, which is, I'm telling you, this this is unheard of. So they built an entire new section of trail to go around and circumvent this property and not bother this rich landowner, okay, and make new trail. Through the forest with back-breaking labor shovels, yeah. you know, picks and axes. There is no bulldozers out there. This is a real Jeep trail, and we're going to cut the ribbon this Saturday up at, up on the mountain. So it's like, wow, it's amazing. That is amazing, especially for California. I mean, I don't know a lot about <laughs> California, but I, I would think it would swing much much further the other way of uh, exactly. just saying, you, you guys, uh, you knuckleheads can't go on that road. Just, you know, go back to your... your uh, shanties and your uh, mobile homes yeah exactly so this is this is it's going to be a, a, a incredible weekend just to you know take that information i'll blog about it and and, and post it up and there'll be magazine articles because it is a big deal 
in California, which gives me some optimistic hope. You know, a foot in the door. Maybe things are changing a little bit to where if we're responsible, you know, I'm not saying don't have fun, but if we're taking care of our trails, uh, following the rules, best, you know, take care of the the people who own the land, Mm -hmm. maybe there's some new trails in the future for California. And if we can get them in California, you can sure as heck get them in Texas. Yep, yep. Uh, I think you're right. Although you're all... You're all private land in Texas for the oh, most God, part. Oh, God, we certainly are. I, I took my Jeep out right after lifting it uh, many years ago uh, to take the family off-road someplace, and we drove a lot uh, a lot through Texas over into West Texas, and there's a damn fence around all of it. So yeah. I found that out the hard way. Yeah. And, and Tammy, you're in Massachusetts. Is that, is that right? Mar- Maryland. Maryland. Same Maryland. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just a little <laughs> south. We have no um, off-roading, no. legal yeah. off-roading in this state. So I go to Pennsylvania. There's some off-road oh. parks there. Ro- Roush oh. Creek and uh, yep, AOAA. Yeah, yeah. and there's okay. uh, there's I'm finding out there's more places around me. I I've, I've been to Uari in North Carolina. Um, there's a few places in Virginia. And she has been to Moab, but uh, she didn't take her jeep. She went out there and yeah, rented the jeep. I so, but she has been to Moab. Yeah. Uh, Tammy is the one that actually goes off road. Uh, I've been (laughs) working on my Jeep trying to get it where I can drive it uh, to someplace to go off road. And Josh's uh, Jeep has been down for a couple of years and just recently got it back up. So we're in the catch up mode. Well, (laughs) there. I've been to the Hatfield McCoy. I've been to Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. I've wheeled several places on the East Coast. And it's just a lot of private land. And that is. Right. um, it, you know, you're paying to play, but yep. that's your option back there for the most part. Yep, exactly. At least there's, there's places you can go. There's yeah. a few. There's a few public. Well, actually, actually, um, the two places in Virginia. Well, one place you don't have to pay, but it's just like an old mining road. It's like I could take my. Or you could just take a regular car up it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a dirt yeah. road up the mountain. It's nice just getting off the pavement. Uh, right. I mean, it's it's fun doing uh, the the more uh, exciting things, but just getting off pav- pavement is nice. Uh, well, there's, da- a, there's sorry, a place in the Minnesota I went to, the Iron Range of Minnesota. Yeah. And they I took they took an I old gravel. They, I took an old gravel quarry, or some kind of quarry, you know, getting rock out of it. And when they were done getting the rock and the iron or whatever. They, the, this club got a hold of it and started piling the rocks up and making trails. And it's, it's some pretty fun wheeling the iron range. So that's where I was born. I was just there. I, oh, but I, I didn't have my Jeep though. I flew in there, but that's Minnesota is where I'm from originally. Oh, okay. I was in Gilbert, my, uh, Minnesota when yeah, I was doing Yeah. 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 You betcha. Oh, <laughs> fuzzy <laughs> little foreigners. Eating casserole and. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh huh. You guys are pretty cool up there. I went to Wisconsin too. <laughs> yeah. How's great, my accent coming through, Tony? You're, you're doing like- really good. Hey, hell if I know, I'm a Texan. <laughs> no, your your accent's doing really well. So, Thank Dale, you. let me let me circle you back to the the land use stuff. Uh, now, I understand why you're involved in it, but a lot of people, you know, bitch and moan about something, and they think, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. How did you actually get into actually being active and part of uh, trying to save the trails? Well, I'll tell you what. I know, you know, we only have so much time on the show, and I could give you a lifelong story here, but the, the synopsis is uh, I was raised in a patriotic family. 
all my, you know, uncles and my dad, everybody went off to war or joined the army, Navy, whatever. It was ingrained in me to, to be a patriot. It was also ingrained in me to have manners and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned earlier, Tony, that a lot of people don't have, but anyway, so I was ingrained with this patriotism, respect and honor and freedom. And uh, when Vietnam came along, I was a young, young man. I joined the army and volunteered to go to Vietnam. Wow. Cause I was going to fight for my country. Well, and I did, and I fought in South America and I fought in Vietnam and I've been shot at in three countries. Um, wow. and I come home <laughs> to find my trails closing and my hunting areas. I'm a big hunter also, and I'm finding my hunting areas closed off or gated or controlled to the point where I couldn't even use them. And, um, uh, about 1981, I decided, you know what, I need to do something. And uh, by then, I had a master's degree in environmental planning. I had a bachelor's in forestry. I had some education. And I started using that against, or let's say, <laughs> in a working relationship with the United States government <laughs> to convince them and state governments that they were taking away the freedoms that I've been fighting for, not yeah. just Dell, but a whole lot of military people and families have paid the price for freedom and by God, you know, don't take it away when I come home and say, I can't take my Jeep and my dad and go hunting off where I used to go when I was a kid for some silly reason. Um, so it inspired me uh, to the point of, uh, becoming an advocate for our public lands Back in the 80s, I wrote my first article for the American Hunter, which is an NRA publication. Big deal. You know, that, that's a nice big magazine mm-hmm. about hunters getting involved in public land management. And because I drove a Jeep, it was an easy transition to say, well, where's all these Jeeping people? How come they're not actively trying right. to keep their trails open? You know, so I started my, my, my theme of my training and the work I do is to inspire motivate and facilitate. Um, you know, you can't boss a volunteer around. So you facilitate and you inspire them. And so I teach people how to do that to help keep these freedoms alive, to help keep the country accessible. And that's so I can sit back and say, yep, I fought for this country and I came home and I fought for it again and I'm still fighting for it, but there's wins because we have trails. That's great, man. We need some uh, some uh, very patriotic background music, uh, Dell. That's a wonderful. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a wonderful story. And uh, before I forget, uh, I know it's a very popular thing to do, but it's very heartfelt for me. Thank you very much uh, for your service, uh, especially in such a uh, horrifically dangerous war to be in. Uh, some fifty thousand Americans killed, I believe, during the Vietnam War. And yep. uh, I'm glad you made it back. Uh, that's uh, that, that was just a horrific time, and then to be greeted by the American people so uh, horribly. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's it's much better uh, now than what it was back then, and, and, and you guys should never have been treated that way. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. I, I got spit on in the airport when I came home from Vietnam by a hippie. You know what a hippie is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was. <Yep. laughs> that was after the beatniks. I'm showing my age. But this hippie spit on the back of my neck as I was trying to find my wife and family and then he ran, of course. Oh, good. Uh, and I was, I was full dress, uniform, green beret, paratrooper boots. You know, I was looking pretty sharp. I was lean and mean. 
and uh, turned around and made a decision. Chase him down and break his neck, go to jail, yeah, or kiss it off and go find my family. And I made that decision at that point that I was going to fight responsibly and smart, you know, to keep our trails open. But so, yeah, I got spit on. A lot of guys did. And nowadays there's so many great veterans organizations uh, helping them go out four wheeling, go jeeping, taking care of our veterans like never before. Yeah. So I'm deeply into that as well. You name a veterans group and I'm probably part of it because mm-hmm. we're taking care of them. And, and I'm glad that I can do that and shake their hands and say, thank you for your service. My wife shook a hand just the other day of a living World War II guy. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. This, this guy was so old. I mean, he was <laughs> ancient. And uh-huh. uh, he still had his hat on. And he, he was still, you know, he thanked her for it. And I mean, it was really cool. Oh, that is yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. All I can say, Dell, is I bet you're happy you had a family because I think if I was single and that happened to me, I may not have broken a neck, but uh, the, there would have been something uh, wet on him uh, for, yeah, exactly. for spitting on me. Uh, yeah. That, uh, I, you know, again, I don't want to get political here, but I think <laughs> I think a lot of our problems will be solved right now with the, these whiny little bitches that are out there if they just had a, a year's worth of mandatory military service. <laughs> well, you know, coming back to the trail idea, the manners and respect. Yeah. I, I see a lot of that lacking in, in young people, and, and I don't blame the young people as much as I want to, you know, talk to the parents and say, hey, hey, teach exactly. your kids some respect it and is some exactly manners. exactly right, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be kids, and they're going to have fun, and I want them to have fun. I want you to, you know, challenge your Jeep and challenge yourself and get on an obstacle and have fun, but have some respect, and, and you know, mom and dad should have passed that on. Yeah, they really should, and it's generations, and it, uh, and actually, I think it can you can follow it back to uh, the late fifties or the sixties, uh, whenever all this other uh, shenanigans were going on uh, with how the uh, the Vietnam veterans were cha- uh, were uh, treated whenever they came back. Now, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I want to ch- shift gears on you real quick. Uh, Tammy okay. is uh, chatting with me here on uh, Skype, and she would really, really like to know what color your Jeep is. Oh, I <laughs> was not. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> you know, my Jeep has been on the cover of seven magazines. I think seven is the last count that I remember. Um, it has a sticker for every scratch. 105 oh, wow. stickers are on that Jeep. And some kids asked me the other day in town why I had so many. And I said, the truth, every sticker hides a scratch. <laughs> it was a sticker or a Band-Aid, and you thought the sticker Act- would uh, be better. <laughs> exactly. Now, I my guess is you have so many stickers on your Jeep because you're trying to cover up the color of your Jeep because you don't <laughs> oh. like it. <laughs> oh. You know. <laughs> Thank you. When, when your Jeep stands out in the world uh-huh. and broadcasts a message of clarity and color and boldness, uh-huh. Bold. This guy knows what he's talking about. Why would you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Obviously, his Jeep is red, everybody, in case you didn't figure it out. But his Jeep is really good looking Jeep. Here here you go, Dale. This is for you. Ooh, red Jeeps are sexy. (laughs) Ooh. I like it. <laughs> and you so, take that thing all over too. I, I know I've seen you on uh, on social media, various various places uh, with your yeah, with your Jeep. Seeing, seeing red. That's I actually bought it from my brother, who rest in peace. I lost him a few years ago, 
he bought it brand new and he was a doctor in Vegas and couldn't drive it around in Vegas because the air conditioning wasn't all that great and he couldn't hear in the soft top oh. on the phone. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he, Right. Six That's months horrible. into it, he sold it to me. So I've had red for 20, 21 wow. years. Yeah. Wow. Two motors, four suspensions, uh, unknown number of tire sets on it. And uh, which, I mean, he's 180, 185,000 miles, I think I have on him. And I don't drive him that much on pavement. So it's a lot of trails. Oh, wow. And I don't flat tow him. So he, he rides on a trailer behind my motor home and we cover you know all the states as far as jeeping in fact just got back from uh oregon and washington idaho montana and nevada and uh pretty soon we'll be headed to of course moab and southern california and arizona and different places and it's not you know it's not so much that i just love to travel because it's kind of nice to stay home too but in my position in land use, you need to be where people can talk to you, can see you, can get some help, get some face-to-face time. Our 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 sport, our Jeepers, uh, build their credibility and trust. You know, they want to know you. They they want to talk to you. So it's important for mm-hmm. me and the wife, Stacy to, to be at events so people can talk to us and go face-to-face and get some help to keep their trails open. You know, you mentioned how long you've had this Jeep, and I just realized I'm, it, the, the red is so so bright and uh, the paint looks so good. I was thinking it was a JK, but obviously this is a TJ. It is a TJ. First one. It was built in May of 1996 with mostly XJ parts because that's what they used off the shelf to build the first TJs. Mm-hmm. And this production line only lasted three months. Wow. And then they changed the computer and all kinds of stuff. So my 1997 first coil spring TJ is actually so customized that I can't go buy a, you know, any kind of a aftermarket motor enhancer or anything like that because every other TJ out there has got a different computer than mine. Right. But and that's okay. Red is special. <laughs> and uh, so you, you've run uh, two four, 4.0 liter uh, G, uh, engines yeah. in this Jeep then. Right. What the first one, stock one, I ran it until it just started getting a little bit, you know, weak. It wasn't yeah. bad at 150,000 miles, honestly. It was, you know, still going pretty good. But I came across a Mopar in the crate, rebuild, the, the, big, the whole thing, in the box for 300 bucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I said, you know what? <laughs> I'll spend another whatever it takes and, and put it in just to have a new motor and be fresh. And Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It wasn't really worn out, but I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't let that crate motor sit there. No, no, that would be insane. Did you did you hold on to the old one or did you? Uh, no, I I gave it to the guy that helped me. So well, you know, put it, those are getting really rare now. Is that right? Yeah, the four point are getting hard to find. I mean, I think you still can, but uh, it's just like the XJs since they haven't made the XJs in so long. That's what Josh and I have are, are XJs. I have a ninety eight. Sure. Josh has a ninety nine. Uh, and uh, I was lucky because I got the red one. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I had an XJ in my inventory at one time. I think it was uh, about a 92. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of I people that like those earlier ones. I, the, I've only ever had the, the one, uh, my first Jeep was my 98, uh, Cherokee and, uh, new from the showroom floor. So it's a one owner, uh, XJ, which I also think is pretty damn rare. That's, that's cool. 
that's, so so that's Dale, cool. you you mentioned a lot of the publications and stuff that you that you write for. If people wanted to, if they don't already know where where to find you in these publications, where where can they find you? What publications do you write for? But you know, the best thing to do right now is to find me on modernjeeper.com. Modernjeeper.com. That's who I'm who I'm working for and with. Um, they decided that uh, when uh, I changed jobs here recently, as you all know, I was with Blue Ribbon Coalition, sharetrails.org. And uh, after 22 years, um, I changed up and I'm with modernjeeper.com helping this magazine and online media company uh, get a lot more Jeeper involvement. And uh, I'm writing for them every day. So modernjeeper.com, we have a Facebook page, we have groups, and um, we have adventures, Modern Jeeper Adventures. And I'm putting together some pretty exciting adventures uh, in the coming years. So people should tune in there, and uh, you can link to my blog and my websites and stuff but that's the best place to go excellent so let me make sure uh, and correct me if i'm wrong on this i get the feeling that you've got this motorhome and this uh, badass red jeep that you drag around behind it and you go around all over the country uh wheeling and talking to people and you get paid for it <laughs> uh yeah i guess you could say that <laughs> motorhome where where I do i find that, that? <laughs> well if you'll take the motorhome off my hands, I'll give it to you. It has 190,000 miles oh. on my diesel pusher. Wow. And I, I, yeah. Who has a motorhome with 190,000 miles? Oh, so Stacy and I, we drive the crap out of it. Uh, in fact, I, on this trip, I just told you, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and all that, that cost me $4,000 in repairs. It's all on me. Uh, oil cooler pump went out and ball joint, this, that, and the other, but... Uh, it's not cheap to travel. No. So in spite of how nice it looks, uh, right. it's costly. You're away from home. The lawn doesn't get mowed. The, the kitty cat gets anxious with the babysitter not doing what you would do and et cetera, et cetera. But actually, and we do love traveling and helping people. It's mostly being where the action is. Yeah. And I can sit on my computer. People can listen to podcasts. They can, you know, I mean, we're doing our part but there's nothing like face-to-face. So, Dell, I'm assuming that you're not uh, done putting scratches on your uh, your red TJ, that there are probably going to be some scratches coming up in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This Well, it's summertime now. It's Rubicon time. I'm only two and a half hours from the Rubicon Trail where I live, and I do that every summer. In fact, that's kind of how most people know me is from the Rubicon Trail back in 2001. Wow, that's a long time. I started uh, Friends <laughs> of the Rubicon to save the Rubicon Trail from a gate. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother episode someday we could talk about, but they were going to gate the Rubicon. <laughs> and at that time, uh, Blue Ribbon Coalition, who I was working for, said, hey, you need to do what you need to do and save that trail. So with California Four-Wheel Drive Association, some other groups, uh, I pulled together the volunteers, and we saved the Rubicon and started working on it in one and it's still going today strong. And now we have a foundation and an annual event called Cantina for the Con, raising money. We actually bought property on the trail so we can have a you know ownership in the Rubicon Springs area. 
it's a big deal what's happened with Rubicon. Yeah, it is. That's great. And I know a lot of Jeepers out there appreciate all the hard work that you and many others have put in to, uh, to make sure that it, that happens. Anyway, going back to the scratches, if you'll allow me to, I'll send you out a, a, a nice uh, shiny new Jeep talk show sticker. And you don't have to put it on the scratch, but at least it'll be there in case you want to. Well, you know, with someone as important as, uh, as you three, uh, I'll put it where there's no scratches like up on the windshield or on the side window where it's really visible in pictures. So, you know, the Jeep talk show will look good on seeing red. Well, I, I don't want you to get yeah, into a, I don't want you to get into a wreck. So put this 12 inch sticker that I'm going to send you on the passenger side. So it'll just be in front of Stacy's uh, eyes. Can, can we do a little bit smaller one, please? Uh, well, I got excited. Maybe, maybe five oh, yeah. inches. Yeah. You, you know, it's like real estate. Real estate on red is worth, you know, it's yeah. worth something. So if Jeep Talk Show will send me an appropriate. I like this guy, Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Tony. He knows where you, it is, man. All you these red Jeepers stick together, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and I will say this, in, in all fairness, I, I joke about the stickers and scratches, but every sticker on that Jeep represents somebody, some organization, some business that has helped me save trails so it's not on there arbitrarily so if right. you see tom woods custom drive shaft on the, both corners are red there's a reason for that because tom is on my team and takes care of me and my drive shaft needs so his sticker rides on there for that reason yeah tom's a good man he's helped me out a lot it, on uh, on my it, jeep yep he's if i need something Tom is a phone call away and there's no questions asked. So. I, I tried to send him an email and he calls me on the phone so he can talk to me. And I go, Tom, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't want to tie up your time, but thank you for calling. So yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. It's great. Uh, so, uh, well, Dale, we better wrap I, this I, up. I'm keeping you, uh, keeping you up here uh, too late, a uh, lot longer than we promised. I'm sorry. You were about to say something. Well, I'm just saying it is people like Tom and, 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 and what he represents and his business that keeps people like me going. The average person trying to do land use or be a volunteer, you can't spend, you know, your rent money doing it. So you need help. Right. And it's businesses like Tom Woods that takes care of, you know, helps keep me going to, so I can save trails. Yeah. Great guy. Great company. I, uh, I love his, uh, love his stuff. I got two brand new, uh, uh, drive shafts and I just put an Atlas on my, uh, my 98, uh, uh, XJ here about a month or so ago. And, uh, no Tom, kidding. All right. Five to one or four to one? Uh, it's actually a 3.8. Somebody told me that if okay. I went with the, the 4.3, that I might be a little too slow on the trail to keep up with everybody. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you'll be happy with it. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, but I uh, haven't got to use it much yet. Uh, anyway, uh, Dell, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got to wrap it up. And I hope you'll let us bring you back sometime in the future because there's obviously so much more that you could uh, share with us and, uh, and, of course, remind people about the uh, proper trail use. I don't think we can really preach that enough, even though I don't like the idea of the uh, the public, uh, the uh, political correctness uh, of the of it. I do like the idea of being responsible and, uh, you know, having some manners out on the trail. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I'll come back anytime you want. You guys just give me a call. Thanks a lot, Dell. We appreciate you being on with us tonight. You bet, Tammy. Thank you. Well, I got to give a big shout out and big thanks again to Dell Albright for taking the time to sit down with us and talk about his life of jeeping and his work in keeping their trails and public lands open for off-road use. Hell of a guy and hell of a story. We've got to get him on again. And I'd definitely love to hear uh, 
some of his wife's stories. So those might be uh, might be pretty juicy. <laughs> well, hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Well, you don't have to be all world famous like Dell Albright is, but I bet you got a Jeep story to tell. Everybody's got a Jeep story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. Hey, coming up next week, we have Gabe Warner from Aero X Industries, maker of the original aerodynamic light bar silencer. You had some issues with uh, uh, <laughs> your your light bar playing Dixie to you, didn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, mine whistles like crazy going down the road. I've kind of got a little bit of a fix, but it's nothing like, like Aero X Industries has. No. These things are really cool, and they are the makers of the original, the innovators, the one and only, guys. We're going to have uh, uh, one heck of an interview next week, so be sure to stay tuned. Have you tried trimming those fins off on the back? Because I think I'm if you, not if going you polish to be taking down. the Dremel to my light bar. <laughs> I, I'm with <laughs> a sawzall. Just, well, and just to clarify, that's a heat sink, folks. So don't do that because then your LED will burn <laughs> <No>. up. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Caught episode 343. Yeah, I gotta say, it seems like old times. Uh, Tammy's absent from the studio. <laughs> Tony's talking about cooling problems. Oh, no. And Josh is complaining that his Honda got stolen again. <laughs> and so, uh, I got a few tips for you, Josh, on how to prevent your Honda oh. from getting stolen again. Oh, do and, tell. Uh, you can try disabling it at the end of the day, like, uh, take the relay out of the fuel pump or if you're kind of squeamish about messing around under the hood I know it's intimidating to some people <laughs> you try taking the tire off of it I actually and thought about that if you don't have tonight. room in the garage for, the, for a tire just take the lug nuts off and then this way when it gets stolen <laughs> they won't get too far oh yeah now you can try uh, putting a, a mountain lion inside your car that that might stop some people from stealing it you have those out here too and if you don't have access to a mountain lion i, I would offer to to rent you sir craps a lot <laughs> but i'm afraid as a guard dog he's not the best and he slobbers quite a bit and i'm pretty sure he knows how to hotwire a car too so i i, I think he might be taking it for a joy ride quite often as well Another possible reason why it keeps getting stolen is you never really marked it as as your own. Uh, try urinating on it. <laughs> Everybody or you else can has urinate in it, but I'm pretty sure one of one of the many times it was stolen has probably been urinated in already. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. I think you did. <laughs> I think you did comment on that one time, didn't you? You got it back, and no, it, was, it, it smelled really bad inside. It did smell really bad, but that's only because somebody had opened up a half a dozen peachy peach air fresheners and just stuck them in every little crevice and crack. And it took me two weeks to get that damn smell out. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it's I'll take that over urination any day. Oh gee, at least it didn't smell like asparagus. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Well, if your car's been stolen multiple times and you decide to light it on fire, <laughs> well, you might need one of these. 
this is the this is the Kid A FA one ten multipurpose fire extinguisher. It's only twenty bucks, and this is the fire extinguisher that you need to have in your Jeep, pretty much at all times. Guys, uh, you know you've, you've been listening to the news at all. Half the nation is on fire right now. There are just a ton of massive wildfires going on right now. And granted, all of, you know, not all of them are caused by by humans or by human error. Some of them are caused by lightning, and some of them are caused by you know farm equipment or whatnot. Don't become part of the statistic. You want to make sure that as a jeeper, you're not one, or your vehicle is not one that is out starting fires out in the wilderness. All it takes is a hot jeep with a hot catalytic converter. Be parked over some tall grass out in a field, and boom! All of a sudden, you know, the, now you got a square acre that's burning, and you need to evacuate, type of thing. So, um, it, make sure that you can protect yourself, your investments, your vehicle, and the area that you're in. If your Jeep ever does have an electrical issue or has something where you know, a fuel line breaks, you start catching fire, something like that, you need to have a fire extinguisher on hand. And this one is going to fight all class A, B, and C fires and is UL rated to be suitable for use on most common household fires as well. It's easy to read. Uh, Gage tells you if there's fire, if the fire extinguisher is charged and ready to use. It's very easy to use. Just pull the safety pin and a commercial grade metal valve and trigger will do the rest for you. There's a very clear instruction label that shows the steps required to operate the fire extinguisher. And this thing is very lightweight, meaning you're not going to add a bunch of weight to your vehicle. Uh, you're not going to have a missile that's hanging out in the back of your rig uh, in case you're in a rollover. And, of course, it's not going to break your back if you have to grab it in a dash. It's a durable, all-metal construction, and it is even U.S. Coast Guard approved. And right now, it is just under $20 at Amazon.com. Oh, wow, that's great. We'll have a link. Yeah, it is very great. We'll have a link so that you guys can pick up one of these for yourself and your Jeep. Uh, and, hey, guys, if you buy one of these, they come with a kit that has a mount in it as well. So you kind of, well, you're going to get hooked up. So 20 bucks, Amazon, we'll have the link. It's a fire extinguisher that will protect you, your investment, and your property. Definitely get it. So are one of those classes uh, means it's good for oil and uh, fuel fire? Indeed. So we're talking electrical, grease, and uh, petroleum products. Okay, uh, good. So, yeah, A, B, and C. I mean, I figured you did your homework there, but I thought I would uh, point that out because it, uh, you know, people are going, well, will it, will it put out my motor fire, you know, because... Uh, that's, uh, I think that's the real concern, especially with the JL stuff. You know, we haven't heard any more about any more JL fires. They must've got one of these, uh, Kaday, uh, uh, fire extinguishers. Could be. Well, <laughs> now that you guys must have one of these Kaday fire extinguishers, we'll make it easy for you. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 344. And I'll just mention, if you don't know what Kaday is, I'll, I'll pronounce it the way we pronounce it in Texas. Kitty. K-I-D-D-E. <laughs> Um, Josh, thank you so much. This has been on my list. I have a fire extinguisher in my Jeep, but I want two. Um, and I just wasn't sure what kind to buy and or where to find it. And this, I'm going to buy it now. Just I'm because actually, just because the Jeep is red, Tammy, doesn't mean you have to hose it down. You, right. you don't no. need two <laughs> fire extinguishers. So hey, I just you went over wanna... to the talk show and i'm placing my order right now yeah, sorry Josh. perfect i was gonna say if you guys want to be like tammy make sure you guys type in jeeptalkshow.com slash amazon first or head over to jeeptalkshow.com and click the amazon button to make sure that we get a little bit of credit from that too hey folks coming up in a few minutes we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown around the nation in wheeling Ware.
Oh, thank God. It's only 90 degrees instead of 98, 99, and 100. <laughs> we, uh, I think uh, we're yeah. almost a, a two-week stretch of 90-plus days. And uh, the other night at uh, what was about 11 o'clock when I finally went to bed way past my bedtime, it was still 80 degrees. Uh, so we've been we've been hot and nasty out here for for many many days and uh, finally today first day gotten a break and I don't even know if it reached seventy five degrees today it's been absolutely wonderful yeah that kind of heat over there when you don't have uh, 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 internal uh, what do you call it central air. Uh, mm-hmm. You actually strap yourself to the blades of the f- ceiling fan, don't you? Just and s- sleep and spinning. <laughs> Lots of duct tape. Lots of duct tape gets used. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh, I got three AC units uh, here. My house doesn't have uh, central AC, so um, you got to do what you got to do. And especially since it is unusual for us to see many ninety-plus degree days out here, it's it's just not something that uh, you really got to plan for too much. So, um, but uh, you know, with the with all the nice temperature, all the nice weather and everything, and of course with my car getting stolen here recently i had no choice but to drive the jeep uh recently and and how fortuitous of me i had just finished the uh, the rebuild um and uh even though i had a a slight transfer case leak from the rebuild i guess my rear rear seal uh, rear output shaft seal didn't quite get installed 100 uh, percent perfect um got that all taken care of but i've been noticing uh ever since the rebuild and before actually that um, my oil pressure just isn't acting right uh about five psi no matter what and i thought okay you know, it's probably, uh, you know, problem with, you know, the, the issues leading up to needing the engine rebuild and whatnot. Maybe I got, a, you know, the seals going out, something like that. Oh, it could be, uh, you know, just a bad sensor, a bad sending unit. Um, so, you know, then the, the rebuild all happened and whatnot. And uh, after all that, I got the break-in oil that I was running. And I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it's just the break-in oil then. It's a thinner viscosity. It's going to produce a little bit lower oil pressure. All right, I'm not going to really worry about it too much go through the procedures, whatnot, did the oil change, um, and sure enough, still 5 PSI, pretty much no matter what I do. <laughs> then you I'm got like, well, the that's hammer. not right. That's <laughs> not right, you know? And, and I'm, I'm not hearing valves, you know, take, I'm not hearing piston slap. It's like, okay, it's not sounding like 5 PSI of oil pressure. What's going on here? So, you know, I'm doing some research, and some people are saying, well, yeah, you know, after you do that, you know, that amount of engine work, you know, there can be some stuff that kind of, you know, breaks its way loose and, and it might end up in a passage uh, to where that oil pressure sending unit might not be getting the pressure that it needs to. So you got to kind of clear that passage out a little bit. And the best way to do that, take out the sending unit, take off the coil wire, crank the engine a few times and proceed to do like what I did and poke a dot half of your garage with oil. And uh, so that was really fun. Um, cleared out the oil pressure sending unit passage, um, put in a mechanical gauge to verify that, you know, I've got you know, pressure there, mechanical gauge, red 50, 60, 70 PSI. I'm, I'm right where I need to be, you know, there for, for, all right, I've got, I've got the oil pressure. Let's put the sending unit back in five PSI. So I verified voltage at the plug. I've got the, the, the oil pressure sending unit is in the OD, uh, ODB2, uh, five volt sensor family. Um, I verified the five volts of uh, voltage and ground at the plug I've uh, verified the full sweep and stop at each individual, uh, each location that the uh, gauge is supposed to stop at through the self-tech, uh, self-test diagnostic uh, that you can run. Um, so it's not the gauge, it's not the sending unit, it's not the wiring, but I still have five PSI, at least according to the gauge, and I can't figure out for the life of me what the heck is going on because for all intents and purposes, the signal is there, the power is there, the pressure is there, and I even put in a oil pressure sending unit from the dealership. Yeah, and that bucks. was a nice $92 yeah. or something like that. Um, and still, 5 PSI. 
So I'm stuck because I don't know what the heck is going on here. Um, I've got a couple people telling me, hey, it might be inside the brain. I've got a couple other people telling me, hey, this is a, a problem that uh, seems to be popping up a little bit more and more lately. So I'm not the only one out there. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if anybody else out there is having similar issue with a, a, you know, oil pressure not being what it's supposed to be, but not reading what it actually is. I'm going to make a prediction. I know I've already told you told you this on chat. Uh, it's going to be a grounding issue. You got a you got a weird ground going on, which is not unusual for the, for the Cherokees. But everything you've done, it, it should work. I mean, or you should have yeah. found you should have found the the issue. So uh, that's another reason why I think it's one of those uh, uh, strange grounding issues. And you have, you've already had a grounding problem before with your OBD two. Uh, there was a ground missing or a bad ground. On yeah, that for one. the uh, the actual port, the data port yeah. um, has its own power supply, its own grounds, and uh, and those were were missing. Now I've verified ground, I verified voltage at the plug. No, I, I understand. Um, I'm just so it's, it's just yeah. one of those things. that's so weird that it has to be. You and know, you're right. It, it very well could be a ground issue, but like maybe inside the ECU or something, and oh, something okay. that's going to be a lot harder to to tra uh, trace down and, and everything. So yeah, I've uh, I'm going to be breaking out the uh, the wiring diagrams this weekend, and I'm going to be tracing the actual signal sending wire from the sending unit itself to the dashboard and tracing every damn inch of that wire. Yeah, I mean, oh, if, that's going to suck. If you read the uh, if you read the um the resistance on that uh, sensor and it shows the, you know, I sent you that list of the, right. I think a hundred ohms was like 46, uh, 46 PSI. So yeah. if you put that uh, DVM on there and you read the, read it as uh, being around a hundred ohms, uh, you know, the, the sending unit is absolutely great. And of course at that point you're not uh, attaching it to wiring. So you know, mm -hmm. it, uh, if, if that's right, it's, it's something forward of that, which I think that's where you're going to look anyway. You just said the wiring and stuff. So. Yeah. Keep us uh, keep us up to date on that. It'll be interesting to find out what the it's going to be something like oh you got to be kidding me type thing. I hope so. I really do because <laughs> that'd be that'd be great. I, I really don't want to uh, end up having to uh, you know re rerun a wire or or something like that. I hope it's just going to be oh well, here's this ring terminal that's not hooked up or oh here's this trace that's burned out. And I just got to you know clean this up really quick or something like that. So yeah, I don't know. Well, guys. Um just a couple episodes back, somebody was talking about, remember Charlene, we interviewed her, Charlene Barrow, about some ladies off-road training, trail training. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I'm signed up. She's going to be here on the East Coast. Usually the ladies off-road stuff has been on the West Coast. Ladies off-road, by the way, um, go over to ladiesoffroad.com, and it's a whole website. Lots of cool stuff. Check it out, ladies. Anyway, there's going to be some training she's going to have at the four-wheel parts store here in Glen Burnie, Maryland on August 21st from 4 to 9 p.m. And it's, you know, recovery and winching and, and all that good stuff. And she's going to have a little class. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be handing out some Jeep Talk Show stickers, my Jeep Mama bracelets, and I'm also going to be learning because I still have lots and lots of learning I need to do, especially on trail recovery and all that kind of stuff because I'm you know, I never get stuck, so I don't have that kind of experience. Sammy, let me let yet. me ask you a quick quick, quick question <laughs> uh -huh. about it. Is this just all classroom stuff? Is there is there going to be like no. field exercises? Uh, how yep. how do this? Um, I'm not you... exactly sure what she's going to be doing, but we're going to be out in the parking lot. She's going to send us all an email on what to wear and what to bring, and it's going to be. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be hands-on type stuff. 
And um, do you know there. roughly how, how many people are going to be participating in this? No, nope, I, she's actually, she's having these all over the country. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So uh, go to la- uh, ladies off road, um, on Facebook and, or even on their website, she's going to be all over the country. She's going to do, God, what was it? 28 stops in 33 days. I'm Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a whirlwind tour. And you know, yeah, people were bitching about it on uh, Facebook, on the post. They're like, why aren't, really? you, why aren't you coming here? There's like 600 dots on this map. And right. <laughs> and people were bitching about, well, just screw us then. You know, we know we're not worth right. it. <laughs> you know, oh, she's, she's going to be, she's going to end up can. having, you know, she'll end up turning this into a career. She'll be doing it uh, three, 300 uh, uh, spots right. in 350 days uh, all next right. year. Yeah. You know, I'm Boy, thinking that's something else. You know, I'm thinking we've we've interviewed Charlene. I, I know her. Maybe I can send her a message and uh, get her to require everybody to wear red, and we get a, we'll get a picture of Tammy wearing the nice all red outfit with red shoes and red socks. Um, and I am gonna get um, hopefully if everything goes well and she's not too busy, um, and maybe I'll just get natural sound of her doing her training. But I'll I'll try to get an interview and we can air it on the show. Good and. Um, so that that'll be fun, and it's only like thirty minutes away from where I live. So oh, that's very oh, good, even better. Yeah, yep. It's wonderful she's doing this too, because uh, it's a lot of wear and tear on an individual to to travel around like that. Yes. So obviously she's doing yeah. something she loves. Definitely, and she is. Um, what is that four wheel drive trained? That IW. I can never remember the the letters, but she is certified as a four wheel drive um, trainer. Excellent. We all can learn uh, no matter how long we've been doing it. Right, exactly. So I didn't do anything of any importance, at least nothing I wanted to do uh, last weekend uh, on uh, on my Jeep. I uh, I did change out the lower hose. As you r- may recall, the upper hose ripped open, and I've never seen a an upper hose go. I've seen uh, yeah, a couple thing, of lower hoses rip open. but That thing opened up like a zipper. I mean, that was crazy. That, that had to have been a 10, 12-inch gash in that hose. You know, and one of the hardest things to keep up with is, uh, at least for me, is the time at which things are done. And add to it at least uh, two other Jeeps that I work on. It really mm. makes it hard to keep up with it. Uh, when yeah. I pulled that upper hose off, uh, or actually when I was going to do the lower hose, I, I pulled the, uh, the, the upper hose out of the Jeep, and I was looking at it, and uh, Matt actually had taken uh, an old hose and uh, cut it and wrapped it around that, that upper hose as kind of a protection and then tie-wrapped it. Well, he did that when we put the engine in the Jeep, which I think was 2012. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and a lot of miles miles ago. <laughs> so I have to go back and look at my uh, picture, the dates of the pictures. But th- that hose was pretty old. And uh, I told Sean, uh, the gentleman that I met out at uh, the uh, uh, Hidden Falls uh, Off-Road Park there in Central Texas, that normally before I go on long trips, I change the upper and lower hoses because, you know, the pressure and long-term uh, heating and pressure on the the cooling system. If you got a weak hose, that's when it's going to go. But with everything else, yeah. I was trying to get done. I, I forgot about it. It wasn't like I didn't already have the hoses. I did. I've, I've I've had them for quite a while. I just never had gotten around to changing them. So I was very lucky that that didn't occur on that uh, 200 mile uh, round trip, uh, oh, or actually 400 mile round trip. Uh, and especially with all the other issues I was having. So changed out the lower hose because I didn't want to drive it uh, with uh, the the upper hose ripping like that. The lower hose was yeah. going to go. Yeah, you know, the lower hose was just <laughs> going to go. Bit. 
So I uh, did that and uh, also uh, have been having some, uh, oh, this is an interesting story, at least interesting to me, been having some issues with uh, the uh, uh, the exhaust manifold, the, the one I got from, uh, oh, crap, I want to say Duramax. That's not right at all. Um, Dynamax. No? No, no, it's, it's way off. Dorman. Dorman. Yeah, Dorman. Thank you. It, it did start with a D. So uh, I, uh, back in uh, February of uh, 2017, because I, I see the order on Amazon, I uh, paid 140 bucks for a, a new uh, accordion-style uh, mm-hmm. exhaust manifold. Uh, m- some people call it a header, I guess. I don't know. To me, it's like a header because it's not the, the, uh, the uh, forged uh, metal ones that came from the factory. Anyway, uh, I thought I'd give that one a try because every other one I've had has cracked. Well, guess what? It's cracked. So... Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hearing all this ticking noise and it just the, the vehicle just doesn't feel as um it's run great. There's not there's no problem with it, but it just sounds crappy and it it yeah. feels crappy because you can actually yeah. feel that ticking noise. Yeah. So I, I noticed that they had a limited lifetime warranty. I read about it and you know pardon me, but god damn it, if the, the metal breaks around the welds, that's a manufacturer defect. So I contacted them about uh, uh, getting a replacement instead of spending $147 for another one that's going to crack. And uh, they directed me to Amazon. Uh, I'd already read oh. that Amazon little document said that you have to go to the manufacturer for this. I was going to say, yeah, I thought the Amazon warranty always says, you know, fulfill, uh, warranty fulfilled by the, by the seller. Right. But, and, uh, and there's a document on there that says go to Dorman uh, for this. That's why I went to them. They said, no, nope, oh. sorry, we, uh, we've redirected this to Amazon. So after Uh-oh. a few days, I went to Amazon chat and they said, oh yeah, sorry, no problem. I said, hey, I was just checking oh. to make sure that I understood it right because Dorman is the one that should be replacing it based yeah. on my understanding. They say, no, you've already tried that. They, they directed you back to us. We'll take care of it for you. We'll get it, we'll, we'll get it shipped out to you. And then, uh, then that didn't happen. I got I, I got a, a message from Amazon about uh, oh please uh, we need some information and oh please call this number and so I, I and called, oh just kidding haha <laughs> got you <laughs> so I, I called the eight hundred number today and spoke to them I said hey this is what this is my story this is all that's been going on I don't know why Amazon's trying to replace this I don't expect you guys to eat it the people that built it and uh, it failed. They're the ones that need to know about it. They're the ones that need to say, well, we need to make this metal thicker. We need to you know, put a, some yeah. sort of stress relief in there, maybe another accordion somewhere along the line there. I don't know. But if, if you guys are replacing it, how are they going to, to try to do anything different? Not that they would, but it's more likely, I think. So Amazon said, nope, you've been through all this. And they, they, you're right. They're the ones supposed to be replacing it, but not a problem. We'll take care of it. So not uh-huh. only are they replacing the uh, the the man the exhaust manifold for my '98 Cherokee 4.0, they're gonna have it here tomorrow. So the day wow. the wow. day that we're releasing this on Friday is whenever it's supposed to be here. So I'll I'll literally be able to change out that exhaust manifold this weekend to get rid of that damn ticking noise. Now one extra thing to this. I am so sick and tired of changing these manifolds. If you guys have, have never done it, it is a pain in the <laughs> oh, ass. It is. Those those lower those those three middle it's, lower it, bolts. That's, and that's oh, the problem. God. That's the problem. It's not hard to get to. The whole thing is right there in front of you. But getting just getting those bolts started, <sighs> those three lower bolts on the intake exhaust little combo there is so difficult to do. 
And of course, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But anyway, so I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to try to do something that I saw on a, a website. It might have been next year that I saw this on, but uh, taking a uh, this braided uh, metal uh, hose, uh, it's like a hose expansion or expansion clamp type thing, and basically cutting the the pipe, the down pipe where it goes to before it gets into the uh, the uh, catalytic converter. Really, when it drops down and goes behind the engine. I'm going to cut it right there. I'm going to cut out about uh, six inches of that pipe, and I'm going to put this this braided hose type thing in there to see if I can separate that flex. Now, keep in mind, boys and girls, I know you people are going, motor mounts, I've got brown dog motor mounts, and not just half a set. i got a whole set. So the the motor, I have not had any motor mount issues since I went with the brown dogs. Great, great setup. Uh, more vibes, uh, certainly, uh, on a unibody. But uh, and the, uh, the uh, transmission mount, perfectly fine. So uh, there's something else going on, but I'm going to try to make sure that there's no, um, the, the something flexing and it can't because the way it's tied to the exhaust system, the boy, the, the, uh, the exhaust manifold is tied to the exhaust system. So I'm going to put this thing in there. It's bolt on. So I should be able to, you know, do it very easily. Just get the, the saws all out, cut a section out, put this thing in and that's coming in. Uh, so uh, that's supposed to be in this weekend too. Also from Amazon. I love being able to buy all this stuff from Amazon and get it. I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> just it, I get it within a couple of days unless you're doing a special deal like with this uh, uh, this exhaust manifold and getting it in a day, which I did not request, which is just absolutely wonderful. So I did have to make several calls and several emails to get to this point, but they took care of it. And Amazon took care of it when Dorman should have been taking care of it. Well, that's uh, I love a happy ending to a story. I thought this was going to go one way, and you were going to end up, uh, you know, kind of sitting there, you know, just kind of holding your holding your thumbs. And uh, no, it, it ended up getting taken care of, and and quite expeditiously too. Yep, yep. Well, and to that end, I got to give a shout out to Brian at Route One Six Off Road, who's uh, actually took care of me this week, and uh, in no special way either. Are you, uh, just are you, know, you saying uh, that Brian gave you a happy ending? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because that is full service. That is full service. No, no, no. (laughs) See, I'm checking to see if Brian Brian actually listens to the show. (laughs) God. (laughs) Well, there goes the rest of our advertising this month. Uh, No. In fact, uh, he didn't didn't do anything special for me that he wouldn't have done for anybody listening to the show. Um, But he did take care of uh, of me as a Jeeper, as he does for any Jeeper. And... uh, you guys can hear that. Those are my new ball joints coming in. So yes, as uh, we've talked about numerous times over several years, those Alloy USA uh, ball joints that I have in my Jeep that I thought were just fine, even though my two friends who both had them in their Jeeps uh, had them go out, uh, as have mine. So yeah, over the uh, the last week or so driving the Jeep, um, I'm surprised I haven't gotten pulled over uh, because it is <laughs> a lot of work. To try and keep that thing in the lane with these ball joints going out. I mean, it just it wanders everywhere. So I'm. Uh, you don't I'm think really this is happy. just you're you're used to driving a Honda? It, it kind of knows where it lives, and you don't actually no, have to steer in it. In fact, <laughs> it's funny because I, I had become quite complacent uh, in driving. I mean, yeah, anytime you're driving a lifted Jeep, especially one that's been modified in both its steering and suspension drastically from stock, it's going to handle a lot differently than is to be expected. Um, this my Jeep does not drive like a Cadillac by any stretch of the imagination. Nor should it. Uh, nor, nor should it. Yes, um, but it it took a lot of work driving this. I mean, it's you know after about twenty thirty minutes, my shoulders are sore oh, because wow. of how much I am fighting to keep my Jeep within the lines. 
it's that bad. So I, I had to make the call. Um, and there was just, I, once I got underneath the Jeep and started looking around and I was like, oh my God, these things are bad. So, uh, yes, indeed. I'm swapping them out. Got some Spicer U-joints, or not U-joints, uh, ball joints. Um, they were one of the three uh, brands that I was looking at, three models that I was looking at. And, uh, and Brian was just like, yeah, out of these three, these are the ones that I would go with as well. That was my gut feeling. Um, he hooked me up, uh, got them shipped out to me in two days. Can't thank him enough. I'll be able to work on the Jeep this weekend and, uh, and get that all taken care of. So I'm, I'm stoked. Awesome. You're, you're going to love driving, uh, driving back to work with, uh, with the new ball joints, you know, and I'll, I'll just mention that, uh, in chat, uh, Josh sent me a message and said, Hey, uh, uh Brian hooked me up with a smoking deal on these, uh, these Spicer ball joints. So, uh, it's yeah, not, it's not just something for the show. It's uh, something that no. he's telling me on a personal, personal note. Yeah. Yeah. This, this wasn't because, you know, I'm host of the Jeep talk show or anything like that. Um, it, this is, you know, standard prices that he provides anybody else. I didn't want any special treatment. There's nothing, uh, you know, as far as that goes. So, so he, he refused uh, the special treatment you requested. Is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry. Route one six doesn't do that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, no, no, I, I, I couldn't say enough good stuff about Route one six. Uh, it took several emails back and forth to figure out what it was that I was looking for my needs and my, and then of course what my options were. And, uh, once we got it all on the same page, uh, the process was very painless, happened very quickly. And I uh, couldn't be happier. So uh, thanks again, Brian, over at Route 16. Yeah, great guys over there. I enjoy interacting with uh, Brian and Gretchen both and uh, uh, chat with them every uh, every so often on uh, on Facebook. So I like giving them a hard time, as, as I do most people. <laughs> well, hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfireside chat? Crack a beer, pull up a chair. Come on and join the fun. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find all the ways you can reach out to us and join in. Hey, let's talk about some events that are coming up in your woods and uh, neck of the woods and around the nation. And if you're in Oregon this weekend, come out and say hi. I'm going to be at Robertson Motors in Salem for the 2018 Jeepers Summer Jam hosted by Salem Jeepers on Saturday. I'm not going to be DJing this year, not going to be MCing, but I still may end up on the microphone. I have a sneaky <laughs> suspicion they're going to shove a mic in my face and just be like, here, say something. So, yeah, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, so if you're uh, in the Oregon area, Salem area, uh, come down, uh, Robertson Motors, Salem Jeeper Summer Jam, uh, come and say hi. Uh, August 30th through September 2nd, a big long weekend there for the annual Sheriff's Jeep Fest and Crawl for the Kids just off Highway 53 in Jasper, Georgia. The annual Great Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion is happen happening August 24th through the 25th at LeConte Center in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We've got Topless for Tatas happening August 11th through the 12th at Roush Creek Off-Road Park. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, guys. Definitely uh, want to check that one out. It's nonprofit, 501c3. They're going to be raising uh, awareness and funds for breast cancer research, so we want to get behind them and help them out. Uh, the Ozark Off-Road Club 5th Annual Ozark Off-Road Adventure Fundraiser is happening September 14th through the 16th at Rush Springs Ranch Ultimate Off-Road Park in Pineville, Missouri. For more info on that, well, hey, real quick, guys, all proceeds from that event go to benefit the Northwest Arkansas Women's Shelter. So another great event to get behind. Uh, for more information on that or any one of our events that we talk about here on the show, just head over to the show notes for the episode that you're listening to. We're going to have links for all the information on these events and others as well. So be sure to check out the website. Hey, do you know an off-road event coming up? Well, shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? We'd love to hear from you. Tell us all about it. Just go to Jeep. Just go to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Hey, folks, and don't forget to follow along on my Jeep journey at my blog on www.jeepmama.com. 
Need a radio for your product or your business? A radio commercial, rather, for your product or your business? Check me out. Professional voiceover services at thevoiceofjosh.com. I was just going to ask what your frequency range was. <laughs> it's all over the place. <laughs> That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow a friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, pack it out. And don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly. And if you'd like to learn more about the tread lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails pump lands open for off-road use, head over to www.treadlightly.org. Note, the Jeep Talk Show should be played at high volumes, preferably in a residential area. Hey, not ready for the show to be over? Well, we can understand that. Now you can hear more Jeep Talk Show goodness by installing the Jeep Talk Show app. Just go to Apple or Google Store, search for Jeep Talk Show, and hit that install button. Not only will you have the latest episode, but our entire library of shows. Plus, and only on the Jeep Talk Show app, you'll have access to bonus content. Look for the bonus content icon on the Jeep Talk Show app and hear what goes on after the interview and after the show. What a fun interview with Dell. Um, I, I was like kind of yeah. expecting maybe a little trouble because you know how I am about land use. I mean, I like the idea of people, people being responsible and uh, having manners about what they use, but I, I, I hate some uh, small group of people telling uh, what I, as an American, what I can and can't do with uh, open land. Uh, it, 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 I mean, private property.